because I'm an angry person. Well, that kid's in love. Any angry people out there? You feel me. You feel me. I, I mean, when people just don't do what you want them to do, when you want them to do it, it gets frustrating, doesn't it, Ernie? I mean, it gets frustrating when, when you, you, you're walking and people are getting in your way and you're in a rush and I'm late. And so Magic Kingdom, I just to take you back there, it's about two years ago, Diamond, uh, my wife loves theme park. She's that great adventure on Wednesday for 14-hour straight. God rest her soul. I don't know how she does it, but she had this whole vacation plan to Magic Kingdom. We're supposed to go to Magic Kingdom, part of Disney World. And so uh, we have to get there before the park even opens because we got to feed everybody to get into the line. So we got there before the park opened, and there was still line. People were crazy about Magic Kingdom. We get to Magic Kingdom, and then all of a sudden they, uh, they open up the doors, and it's like a rift. Everyone just panics, freaks out. It's like the end of the world. Everyone's running for cover, running to the Space Mountain or Pirates of the Caribbean or something. And I'm one of those, those crazy souls, and I got a double stroller because our kids who can't walk, I, I think we should have went no double stroller, and then when they get tired, we just got But apparently my wife didn't like my idea. Uh, so we got the double stroller, and, and I'm just just cooking on this double stroller all day long. I'm like pretending I'm in like a Ben Hur movie, just like running people over with my double stroller. Get out of my way! I got something to do. And we spent about 12 hours at Magic Mountain, and, and I remember we had to stay for the fireworks show, and, and we had to do this, and we had to go to Pippi Poppy Poopy to Billy to pretend that she's a princess. I call her princess every single day. She doesn't get dressed up as one. She is one. Uh, but nevertheless, we did all of these great extravagant things, and now it's 9.30 at night, and Pastor Isaac is stuck. Pastor Isaac been pushing this double stroller for a half marathon. It's like 95 degrees. He's in Florida, and so it's time to go. And everybody is leaving the park at the same time. Ten thousands of people are leaving the park, and I want to get to my car. I want to get to bed, so I'm in a hurry. The problem about being in a hurry and tired and frustrated and cranky, and I got a double stroller, is people don't walk the same pace I walk. And so I'm trying to get and so I'm pushing the double stroller, and, and there, there's some, some choker in front of me that's walking like, like he's not in a hurry. Like, bro, you've been in Magic Kingdom all day long. Get to your car. And so I'm trying to push the stroller, and he's not moving. And, and, and I, I can't believe I did this. I, I, I thought I did it by accident, but I might have done it on purpose. But I, like, whipped the back of his leg with my double stroller. And, and he turns, and he, and he says to me, hey, watch it. I should have said, I'm so sorry. But, but this is what Magic Kingdom does to me. I, I turned to him and I said, hey, pick away, bro. Are you going left or going right? I got to get on. And this is Pastor Isaac, right? Never been in a fight in my life about to throw down in Magic Kingdom. And so the guy, I guess, like, my, my, my tone really intimidated him for whatever reason. It wasn't my fatigue, but. Uh, you know, so I'm pushing the double stroller, and, and he starts to pick it up, and then he stops. And then I, 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 I swear I did this by accident. I hit him a second time. <laughs> and this time I'm like, sorry about that one, man. I know it's like crowded. I, I, and then I'm going home, of course, where, who am I standing next to the whole time in line? This guy right next to me. And I'm there with the double stroller because I couldn't stay cool. That, that's a funny analogy, but I've had other analogies where my anger got the best of me so much. I, I remember one 
was under immense pressure during Hurricane Sandy, trying to be so anticipated once and almost forgot about something and somebody was giving me a hard time. And I remember, I don't know if you remember Sunday service, you testified the stage and you always remember those things because you're hoping for a straight. But then I remember, I, I got off the phone and I was so angry, I took my phone and I threw it in my car and hit my windshield, cracked my windshield and my phone. And you've done stupid stuff like that too. When you were angry, anger is one of the most life-destroying things that so many people face. I, I was shocked when I researched it that 75 percent of the people that are serving over 20 years in prison, the reason is because of one moment of anger and rage, where, where, where they just lost it, they couldn't control themselves, and out of passion they would say, or out of rage they did something that was outside. Their character, and, and so often our engine can get so hot when our when our engine is it's, it's our, our engine is our heart. That, that that's where everything in our life flows from flows from our heart. The, the proverb says that I guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows all the issues of life. And and so many of us, when our hearts get hot, we don't know how to cool off. We we think we have to just blow. Or, or take our teeth out with somebody, or we got to get it out. And, and by doing that, we end up destroying relationships. We end up destroying careers and jobs and opportunities because we don't know how to stay cool in a hot place. The book of Ephesians puts it like this. It says, be angry because we're gonna all going to get angry. There's no way around it. You're going to get angry from it. There's going to be moments when you're going to get enraged and angry. You can't get around that. You can't go around saying, I don't want to get angry. Be angry, the Bible says. But sin not. Do not give a foothold to the devil. Because when you get angry, he has an opportunity. Your anger creates an opportunity for Satan to come in and use you to destroy people's lives, especially your own. It's interesting in the book of Genesis, the first time the word sin is ever mentioned is right, right alongside the word anger. And it, it takes place in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, and, and it says, And Abel also brought an offering of fat portions and some of the firstborn of the flock of the Lord. Look at Abel's offering favorably, but Cain's his brother. This is the first family. These are Adam and Eve's children, but on Cain and his offering, not look his favor. So Cain was very angry. He was angry. He was disappointed. He was hurt by God. But what happens is, is when we're hurt, we want to hurt others, right? Hurting people hurts people. And a lot of times we transfer our hurt onto other people. And then we don't uh, take it out of the person who hurt us. We take it out of our family when we get home because we can't take it out of our boss or we get fired. And we end up transferring all of our hurt and all of our anger on the people in our families and, and people that we love so much. And that's exactly what Cain did. And the Lord looked at him and said, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast, Cain? That's right. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. I love this. But you must rule over it. You must rule over your anger. Do your emotions own you? Or do you own your emotions? Because so many people, you let your emotions own you. You let other people own you. You give the keys to your happiness, the keys to your emotions. 
promotions to your husband, to your friends, to Facebook, and you are only happy, you only feel what other people allow you to feel because you don't take ownership of your emotions. But I want you to know that God says, they are your emotions, honey. Stop trying to transfer the responsibility of your happiness to someone else. They're your emotions, your joy, your job. And so here's, there's pain, and pain transfers into anger to Abel. It ends up killing him in the process, and it ends up putting a curse on pain. It ends up destroying his future, destroying his family, putting a bond on his life forever. Guard your heart. Be angry, be hurt, and sin not. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16 uh, says this. A fool is high-headed and yet feels confident. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and he is one who comes up with evil deeds. A high-headed person does not cuss. Your anger does not make you cuss. Your anger makes you weak. When I see an angry person, I see a weak person. The only reason that they, they try to cover up their weakness is anger. But really, on the inside, they are so hurting and so broken, and they're trying to cover it up with, with, this, with this facade and this anger. But really, they are so broken on the inside. And the only way you're ever going to overcome your anger is if you take your weakness and take your brokenness to God and say, God, heal me from the inside out. Heal me from this hurt that happened to me when I was 15 years old. Heal me from this rejection that I need to overcome my anger. God will do that for you. Number one reason people get angry is they feel secure. If you were secure in who you are, you would feel so disrespected by others. Number one thing that we need to do when you feel hurt is to prevent yourself from getting angry. Number one, don't be hurtful. Don't start probing your own wounds. The uh, first, I think it was the first presidency of Monroe Seneca, who uh, was his president. His name was James Garfield. And James Garfield was shot. Uh, it was his fourth month in office. He was shot in the back. And what happened was he didn't die from the bullet wound. He actually lived for over four months. But back then, they didn't have any uh, idea what bacteria was and what infections were. So the whole time, they were looking for bullet that was inside of his stomach still. And every day, they were probing into his wound. They were sticking their fingers and knives into his wound. And he ended up dying of an infection. He ended up dying of a bacteria, not because of the bullet wound, but because of the doctors who were probing in that old wound. And the same will happen to you when you're constantly rehearsing it, constantly sticking your finger back into it, constantly talking about the hurt, the pain that you had for others, not trying to get healing from it, but trying to allow yourself to be identified by who hurt you and who wronged you. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you know that? I know you know that, but do you know that? Your words can either hurt you and others, or they can heal you and heal others. If you look up the word nitroglycerin, and, and this is literally, you look it up, and it has two definitions. It is either used to blow up bridges or to heal hearts. If people use nitroglycerin and dynamite to blow up a bridge, and say that someone is having a heart attack or they're having heart problems, that they can 
or someone has wronged you, someone has hurt you, or the ultimate crisis, you can either allow your anger to be aroused and you'll feel worse. And that, you're so stupid. What is wrong with you? And, and all, I, I hate this. And, that, and all of a sudden, you use your words to create and blow up bridges, but you can use your words to heal just as quickly as you can use your words to tear down. The word hurts. That hurts. Number two. Stradivarius was excellent at doing one thing, making violins. And in his lifetime, he made about a thousand violins. And they are the most prestigious violins that the world has ever seen. And they, they were so famous because how he constructed the strings and how he hollowed out the wood was, was still the best sounding violin, even to this day, are the, the Stradivari uh, uh, um, violins. And if you have one today, anybody have one? If you have one, I, I mean, they're worth millions. They have one that went on auction in 2014. The opening bid was $45 million. I mean, you better check and pick one up at a garage sale. You need to look on the inside uh, and, and, and see if you got that violin because it will change your life. And there's a true story of a, a woman who had a, a, a one of these violins, and, and this woman
he gave her the, the, the video tape phone. And she began to go to the videotape and she said, This is to my two sons and my daughter. You were never there when I needed you. I tried to reach out, but you made me feel estranged from you. And the only thing you ever wanted to talk to me about was this violin. And she said, Well, here's your inheritance. <laughs> Takes it, throws it into the fire. As her friends zoom in, you can see the strength popping and the, the wood bursting as, as they're, they're seeing forty-plus million dollars literally go up in smoke. Two morals to this story. Number one: always treat your mother with dignity and respect. Always, my dear. And, and the second one is, is this. Be careful what you throw in the flames of anger and resentment. I know that she was mad at her kids and she wanted to teach them a lesson. But don't be spiteful. I mean, she could have sold that violin and given Shore Christian Church $40 million dollars to buy our own building and be able to bring all Asbury Park in to hear God's word, you know? She said later on in life, her health began to decline very quickly. She said the reason she believed her health declined so quickly is because of the regret that she had in that one moment of anger, trying to teach her kids a lesson, trying to be spiteful to her children. Our families are worth more than any violin. Our families are worth more than any career. Our families are worth more than any inheritance. And in one moment of rage, don't try to be spiteful to push your family members away because they hurt you. Love never fails. Treasure your family. Treasure your children. Treasure your parents. Treasure your siblings. They are the greatest gifts that God will ever give you. You don't know what my family's like. Well, I know what you're like. And with that spiteful attitude, no wonder. God wants to see us reconcile with our family stories. Think about some of the things that you've done with that violin that you said to your wife. The things that you've said to your son. The things that you've said to your mother. Why? Because you allowed your anger to dominate your emotions. But God says, through my grace, I can allow you to be cool in that hot place. I can allow my Holy Spirit to come in you. And you can feel that anger and feel that wrath and feel that vengeance. But you can be angry and sin none. Think about how blessed you would be. Think about how blessed your future would be if you could get a hold of this one principle that I'm not going to let my anger and my wrath and my spitefulness dominate my life, but I'm going to live a life of love. I'm going to live a life of forgiveness. I'm going to live a life where I reconcile quickly because love never fails and my God never fails and my God will give me the strength even in my anger to get through what I'm facing in life. That's what, yeah, one person got that. And I pray that somebody else got that because you're, you're in here right now and you're thinking, and this is what you're doing. You're justifying your unforgiveness. You're going to do it. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. 
mercy that allow us to fly. It's the things that we go through that give us the testimony. The third thing I'm getting ready to tell you is this testimony. Whoever heard him and the one that was perfect, number two, what's the disciple number three? Heart is so downcast. I am so broken. 
He was betrayed by uh, an authority figure in his life. He was he was abused by that man, and, and now he was homeless. Now he was on the run. He was hurt. He was betrayed. His heart was downcast. He was angry, but he didn't allow his anger to get a foothold in his life. He didn't allow his anger to make him be spiteful to want to get revenge on those who hurt him. This is what he did. He said, "I may be angry. I may feel downcast. I, I may feel disturbed within my heart. I may feel overwhelmed within my heart, but I, I'm able." To the grace of God to flip that emoji, to turn that frown upside down, because God is a good God, and He has been good to me. I dare you to look back at what God has delivered you from. I dare you to look back at how far you have come in your life, and I believe that's what David did. And then he went from this moment where he was downcast, and he was angry, and then he made this great statement, but nevertheless, my hope is in God, and I'll wait expectantly for Him. I know He'll deliver. I'll know He'll be here for me. I'll sit here and wait for God because He's my healer and He shall be my God and I will yet praise Him. You gotta stay cool in a hot place. Nebuchadnezzar threw those three Hebrew boys in the fire because he was angry. They didn't stay cool. all of a sudden, when they were in that fire, a fourth man appeared in that fire. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, that fourth man looks like the Son of God, but he wasn't like the Son of God. He was the Son of God. That's what makes you and your confidence to stay. Next time you get so angry, you stand in the fire and you got to take it out on them. They hurt you. But God, you can do it. You can get into it. Refresh your soul.
Thank you. 